Hello, everybody, and welcome to Navigating the Noise, a broadcast brought to you by CHPA, the Corporate Housing Providers Association. Well, welcome everybody to this special, special season of Navigating the Noise. As many of you know, on Navigating the Noise, we like to bring in sort of large, confusing topics and really help you navigate the noise, bring in external experts, bring in people inside of the industry, get them together and kind of have a really pragmatic conversation about what to do about it. But certainly this season is quite different. We're doing things in a very different way. Um, and this episode, uh, I do have to say, is like no other episode we've done. So this episode of Navigating the Noise is an actual two-parter. There's going to be part one and part two. Uh, because we're doing, uh, as I said, something we've never done before. We're going to call this a, a skill-building podcast, where we're going to be looking at a specific skill that you might be able to use, that you might be able to apply to your business to apply to your industry, to apply to your collection of partners. And so on this Navigating the Noise skill building episode, we're gonna be looking at scenario planning and contingency planning. So how can you think about the future, but think about it in a very specific way and really apply it to your, to your business? Um, and so I mentioned, so in episode one, what we're gonna be doing is really just looking at the high level. What is scenario planning? What is um, contingency planning? What is that? And then we're in episode two, we're going to get into what does it look like to have it apply? What, what does that really, really look like? So with that, we're just going to dive right in. I said we've never done an episode like this before, so we're, we're just going to get started. Um, I, I should say, as I normally do, I'm Brian David Johnson. I'm your host and your futurist. I'm also the engineer on today's show, so please bear with me as we switch back and forth between the cameras. So we've got two fantastic guests who have been very, very gracious with their time to record these two episodes with us. So the first is Robin Champ. So Robin is a foresight and strategy expert. She is a legend in the federal foresight world. She has a long career working with different government agencies doing long-term strategic foresight for these agencies. She's actually she's actually quite a celebrity. When I go and do my speaking, as many of you know, I speak at events. I do a lot of work with universities. Uh, oftentimes I'll go to universities and people come up and they want to meet me. And what will they say to me is, do you know Robin Champ? <laughs> and so I have to say, well, yes, I, I do work with her and she actually is that good. So we're very, very, very fortunate to have Robin on the show with us today. And then also we have Tracy Hayes and Tracy is the founder and president of CWS Corporate Housing. And again, we're really fortunate to have Tracy on because she's been doing work for many, many years now in contingency planning, but applying it specifically to this industry. And when I sat down with Tracy and she talked about the work that she had been doing, not only previous to the pandemic, but really in the pandemic, I was fascinated. Uh, it was really the work that Tracy and the work that her team has been doing that really brought about this two-part episode. Because I thought that as viewers and as fans of the show, that you really needed to hear it. Um, so that's why we're going to be doing two. So again, we're going to get into the work that Tracy's been doing and the work that her team has been doing in episode two and how she's been applying it. But here, we're just going to start with that high level. So speaking of high level, we're going to switch over and we're going to bring on Robin. As I mentioned, she is a, a, a foresight and strategy expert. And I've asked her just to come on and, and, and give us an overview of, um, of, of strategic planning, of scenario planning, of just her world. She's also a professor and sort of teaches these things as well. So we're going to switch over to Robin. And I'm going to say, Robin, thank you so much for joining us on Navigating the Noise. Thank you for agreeing to do this, to uh, kind of give us that overview 
of, uh, of the work that you've been doing. So let's just start that. Give us that high level and say, as people think about this type of thing, and, and as I know, Robin, you've given us some, uh, some slides. So at some point, just tell me when you want me to click over to the slides and uh, we'll just dive in. So could you please just give us an overview? Absolutely, and thank you so much for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Uh, why don't we dive right in? I love visuals, I'm a visual learner, so let's put up the first slide. And I always like to start with the difference between forecasting and foresight, uh, because they're two very different things. The uh, difference between forecasting and foresight, if you think about the weather and we forecast the weather, forecasting is predicting. And in the short term, when we're looking just a little farther into the future, uh, forecasting might work. I could tell you with relative certainty whether or not it's going to rain tomorrow on the 13th day of the month. But if I look a little farther out, could I tell you with certainty it's gonna rain on July 13th, not June 13th? Well, probably not. So your forecast, the farther you look in the future, your ability to forecast or predict is less and less and less. So what do we do when we can't just look and predict something? We have to have something called foresight, where we look at the many possible things that could happen and make sure we plan accordingly. So for instance, I don't know if it's going to rain or snow on December 13th or January 13th, but I better be prepared with an umbrella and snow pants because I don't know which one's going to happen. And it is a possibility either one could happen. So with that, we have to understand that the future has not happened yet. There are many possible ways the future can happen and we're always caught by surprise. If this year taught us anything is that we can always be caught by surprise and the future doesn't always look the way we think or predict or forecast it's going to look. So if you look at this slide here, you can see a little tubular cone, which um, it says today's perspective. And what we all do, it's very normal, is we take what we see today and we project what we see and know today into the future. And we think the future is gonna look some, um, somewhat similar to what we see today. And that's today's perspective. But again, the farther out you go in the future, you can see that cone, that aperture opens up into uncertainty. And really the future is not necessarily gonna be where that cone, uh, where that cylinder points out at the end of the cone. The future could be in section C, section A, section B, section D. It's in some sort of one of these areas of the future. So what we need to do is think about what all those possibilities are in the future and then plan accordingly so that we are prepared. And I really like this quote by Alvin Toffler um, he said, the inability to speak with precision and certainty about the future is no excuse for silence. It is more important to be imaginative and insightful than to be 100% right. And that's a quote from Alvin Toffler in Future Shock. So again, just as a high level overview, what we want to do with foresight is embrace the fact that the future is uncertain and then prepare for uncertainty rather than try to predict the future and put all of our eggs in one basket. Well, that is great, Robin. Thank you so much. That's a very, very good overview. And I love here, I'm gonna bring up the gallery view just so we can, I have a quick question for you real quick, but before you do that, I wanna show you something. Um, so here we're all on gallery view. So Tracy, everybody can see you now as well. 
So um, uh, I have a question for you, but before we do that, so you mentioned Alvin Toffler. So for everybody in the audience, so Alvin Toffler is one of the premier and sort of uh, founders. Him, he and Heidi Toffler, his wife, really pioneered a lot of it. Here's how much Alvin Toffler sort of means to this work of foresight, is if you look, actually in every episode of Navigating the Noise, right here, this is how much of a nerd like this so this book is foundational and actually all his books and if you actually go back and look at the episodes of navigating the noise you will always see it's either right there or it's usually right there there's another one of toffler's books so i'm glad that you brought that in so um robin let me ask you this question so when somebody's sort of thinking about uh like you said there's forecasting and then there's foresight so when somebody's thinking about maybe implementing this what is a, a barrier? I know we're going to get more into implications working with Tracy in the next episode, but what, is, what do you think is the first barrier? What's the hardest thing for organizations just to get started doing this? Well, to me, the biggest barrier is they're really good at what they do today, and they project that what they do today really well is going to happen in the future. And I'll give you a perfect example. Um, we all remember Blockbuster, right? Blockbuster was the best of the best when it came to DVDs and videos. The stores were clean. Their operations worked well. You went in, the movie was there. But, you know, you had customer service. Was, Blockbuster was the bomb, right? You know, tons of stores. Everything, everything was perfect. And they, they were great at their operations. But what happened to Blockbuster? Well, they went out of business. Netflix came along. So I kind of call that um, a failure of imagination, a failure of innovation, a failure of foresight. They took what they did today and they projected it into the future and they assumed they were going to be the bomb in 20 years from now because they did what they did very well. And at the time they were doing it, they had great sales. They failed to reinvent themselves. They failed to look into the future and see that there might be caught by surprise. There might be an innovation. There, there could have been a multitude of other things that could happen to them. And instead, they, they just focused on today and they were overtaken. So to me, I think this uh, failure of imagination, this natural resistance to change um, is the biggest barrier. That's great. That's a, and that's a really great segue over to uh, Tracy. So that's a great overview of Foresight, um, and that's great resources. So we'll make sure to put the, the two slides up on the Navigating the Noise website. We'll maybe put some, some links to some Foresight books if you really want to nerd out uh, around Foresight. Again, you don't have to, but if you want to. Uh, but I think that's a great point, is like you learn, so, so Robin, learn also from the mistakes of other people in business. Like remember the blockbusters, remember the Kodaks. And this, Tracy, kind of brings us to um, our conversation. So Tracy was very um, giving of her time where we sat down and we had this very long conversation. We went much longer than we were supposed to, than we were scheduled to go, because I was fascinated in the work that she had done, because she was actually using uh, some of the tenets and some of the ideas behind strategic foresight that Robin was talking about and was applying it to her work. And really the thing, Tracy, is that, that, that really kicked it off was 9-11 for you, kind of thinking that sort of that shift and really beginning to apply that. And I think that is that is wonderful. But first, let's, let's welcome you, Tracy Hayes, founder and president of CWS Corporate Housing. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today. We really appreciate you being here. Oh, you still got her mute, me unmute you. You need to unmute, Tracy. There we go. Welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. So let's do this. So I'm going to switch over to your camera in just a moment so everybody can see you full screen. So 
as you think about the, the work that you've been doing and you think about sort of how you were planning, what are some, some high level ways for people? Like I said, in the next episode, we're gonna get into what you've been doing for the pandemic and how it's really paid off. But from a really high level, how would you explain to folks who may not be so um, familiar with this when you're doing contingency planning and the type of planning that you and your team did, um, can you give us an overview of that, please? Sure. So really, we looked at it at three different ways. You know, what was our immediate responsibility and what did we need to do? And that really impacted our team and our guests that were in our suites. This isn't something that we could say, if this happens, what do we need to do in the future? We had people living with us and we had people that were relying on us every day immediately. So what is our immediate impact, both at the beginning of this but as it progressed every day is what do we need to do today? How do we honor our duty of care? Then the next one is near future. How do we continue to provide our services for people that were depending on us to arrive along with the guests that were with us and people that were planning to leave that couldn't leave? What did we need to do? And then long-term, how did we work with our team, with our not just our guests that were in our units, but the corporate clients, the decision makers, the relocation companies, and our partners. Um, our supply chain from housekeepers to properties. And then really overlying all that is how did we navigate the resources that were available? How did we honor our agreements with our financial institutions that we had agreements with? Um, kind of just the whole scope, but really looking at it in three phases. Just today's immediate needs, primarily that was our team and our guests, then the next phase of it, how do we take care and communicate with other stakeholders, and then long-term, how do we come out of this um, viable and relevant and as a resource? And in the corporate housing industry, as you've mentioned, there's been several um, several things that have affected us in the past. 9-11 was a big one. And that was probably initially what we kind of saw, you know, what happens if business travel stops? So we had some history from that. Then we've had natural disasters that are really close to this. You know, if it's a hurricane in Houston, there's people with us that we have a duty of care. There's clients that depend on us. There's our team members have been affected, but really the scope was so much larger that every part of the country was affected and how do we as an organization you know go there the majority of our clients ask us for business continuation plans so we we've got these formal plans but you can't just really be blinded um or limited by the past because this was so unique and even as it evolved what we thought was true yesterday didn't apply at all for today and then people are asking us what will happen in two weeks will we be able to move into your city and they were counting on us as the local experts but there were so many factors that were outside of our control and just evolving every day so even um, as we brought in different stakeholders this is definitely i would think um, there's a tendency sometimes as a leader to say i can take care of this and protect it and i'll communicate it out but there's so many different stakeholders in this and um, viewpoints and responsibilities that it was really important to get, you know, what is the cash flow? That, that, that's one way to look at it. How will we do service delivery? That was a different subject matter expert. And um, how does this impact our team and their health? 
you know, that we needed our HR perspective to make sure we were taking care of our team so that we could continue to take care of others. And then we almost needed someone that was um, the, the strongest realist to help us realize what, what are our limitations and could we deliver our service ongoing in a safe manner for both us and the guests that were staying with us. So it was um, unlike any other, our business continuation plan that we had on the shelf that was, you know, was supposed to be this roadmap that we pulled off. Part of it was relevant, but many parts of it, just this event was so unique that it really wasn't relevant at all. So just our ability to adapt and shift was really important. That's, that's really, really fascinating. And I think you, um, I should be, I'll take us the gallery view for a moment. So there's so much in what you've just said, Tracy. So this is, so I, I want to call out, so you, I think you could write a textbook on this. So it's fascinating because from foresight standpoint and a sort of a future standpoint, sort of what you broke down, and I want to be really, really clear. So what I think was really fascinating about what you and your team did is, well, number one is you really methodically broke it down, right? This idea of saying there's sort of near-term, midterm, long-term. And that's very much a foresight thing is to going, okay, you're thinking about these. So if you think about Robin's, that the cone, very similar, right? Which she was saying, as you go out, the level of uncertainty grows, but you're still breaking it down because methodically, then it allows you to focus and say, okay, let's think about this and think about, as you said, what are the interdependencies? Like who are the people who's affected and to really methodically think about that as you're kind of breaking it through. And then the next step, like you said, is then that communication being able to go and sort of talk to people about it. That is such a huge part in doing this type of work is saying, okay, now here's what I think, what do you think about it, right? And so that I think is a really important part, that communication part of it. Um, and at the end, and then the final bit, which you didn't say this, but this is exactly what you were doing. There's a level and, and Robin will, will back me up here. There's a level then once you've come up with a foresight, a plan, right? You said, okay, here's mid, sort of here's what we're doing right now. Here's what we're keeping an eye on in the midterm. Here's what we're doing in the long term. These are the interdependencies. We've now talked to other people, whether it be inside of the organization or even broader. I know you do a lot of communication outside of just your organization because not only the work that you do and you're in many, many cities, but also you know that there are interdependencies with your, your customers and your vendors and all the people that you work with. But then it's that validation side. Right, bringing in that person to say, okay, now we have this plan and having them look at it and go, is it working? Is it right? Who's the realist? Who's the one who can take a look at it? Yeah. Because I tell my students all the time that she or he who looks at their plan and finds the flaw first wins. Like that's the best yeah. thing. You want to find the flaw because you want to have a culture where if you go, I don't think this works, then people go, oh, cool. Tell me why. Because if you can find out why it doesn't work, and everybody's supporting each other, that's great. And then you've actually fixed it. You've made it even better. So I think that's a really helpful, I mean, maybe we can do an infographic on that. That's really fascinating that to be able to do that. Um, so as you've gone through, so I'm gonna ask you, Tracy, the, the, the next question, the, the same question I asked um, um, Robin is that, so for you and for your team, and I know a lot of this came out of just intense pragmatism, right? You're, you're a business owner. Right? You've been in this for a while, you've got the experience, but for you, for your team, and then maybe even when, when you talk to other people, because I know you do some mentorship and talk to other people outside of your organization, what's the biggest hurdle? I'm going to go back and, and, and spotlight you so you'll be on. So what do you think is the, the biggest hurdle for people to really get started in doing this? I think 
you know, as a leader, you want to build confidence to our clients, to our team, and you really want to be able to have a plan that's black and white and throw it out there. And Robin, when this really resonated when you said there's going to be surprises. So for me, the hurdle was how can I let people know that we're listening to them, that we're thinking of things, but also balance that with we don't know all the answers. So we kind of started changing our vocabulary to this is our plan today until we learn more. And, you know, really throwing out there, you can ask me anything. If I know the answer, we'll share it with you. But if we don't answer it, it's because we don't know. So I think that that, you know, our, to, to not look foolish or kind of keep your insecurities close could be your death in this. But it's really just sharing what you know today. Here's our plan, you know, and we would break it into small increments. This is our plan for this week until it's not. But as soon as we know we're going to change direction, we're going to let you know. And then also, it, there was so much information coming in. You almost didn't know what, to, what of it was what you should use as your foundation. And finally, just one day saying, you know what? This is not a one size fits all. It's truly one size fits one. And although it was cumbersome, we had a small group that represented different viewpoints in our company that we would meet every day at four o'clock. And it was kind of coming off of our training from hurricanes and natural disasters where we would say, bring anything up. And a lot of it was around our clients' concerns, cancellations, um, financial viability, things like that. And, and using that to bring up anything we didn't know, because had we waited until we had all of the facts, that by the way, facts today were, were nonsense tomorrow, we would have just been paralyzed. So really communicating primarily with our team, we don't know. We don't know what tomorrow looks like, and we don't know what what next week looks like. And then not being stuck on efficiency necessarily. What, what our plan was in West Texas would not work in Boston or Seattle. So really just being flexible and adaptable and saying, you know, all times, if you're looking for a plan that's going to be check the box, from my perspective, we would not have been able to execute. And then being honest, calling people who maybe have a different perspective and know more about something than you do and sharing your vulnerabilities and your insecurities of how to handle it. That that's really what I think is the foundation and it's kind of counterintuitive to what we think instills confidence sometimes. I'm glad you brought that up that the, I'm going to take us back to gallery view because I, I have actually have a question for you, Robin. Um, but cause I, I'm that, we have to understand, and I always say all the time that the future is local. Um, and by this pandemic has showed us, and we've always talked about this on the show, that the future is local. But certainly as we're looking, not only at the pandemic now, but as we move into the future, local is so, so important. But I think it's a really hard thing, and it's a good point to bring up, um, Robin. And you, you said this, and I'd be interested to see, you know, certainly in, in your world and in your career, you know, this idea that there's just uncertainty, that we know that there's uncertainty. Uncertainty is certain <laughs> in a way and getting comfortable with uncertainty. Is there a, Robin, is there a way that you talk people through around how do you just get comfortable with being uncomfortable? How do you get comfortable with, with uncertainty? 
Yeah, that's, wow, that's a great question. Uh, I think you just have to talk about it and you have to, um, you, you have to make it an educational experience. It's a change management experience. Um, some of the things I'm doing in my organization is I'm bringing in guest speakers. So how do you know the future's uncertain? Bring in lots of different points of view. Talk about innovation, talk about change. And so what, what I try to do is um, a change management campaign where I, I bring in these speakers, we're gonna talk about change, we're gonna talk about things they might not have thought about before. Um, I put out a newsletter in my organization where I, I put really cool ideas out in the newsletter that maybe people weren't aware of. Um, for instance, these new night vision goggles. Well, they're not really night vision goggles, they're injecting stuff in people's eyes. Um, that's what the future's going to be. Uh, Toyota's Woven City, uh, where, you know, in Japan, they're, they're, they're trying to have this interconnected woven city. I mean, there's, there's lots of innovation out there. And I think um, when we, we think we're certain until we're exposed to things that make us realize we're not that certain. So the exposure and the change management is how I'm trying to address it. But I think in humanity, we're all sort of comfortable with status quo and change is difficult for most people. Yeah, and I think that as we go through, and I'm gonna bring us back to the gallery view just to, to wrap us up here, because um, especially now, we've sort of seen that you know, change is uncomfortable for sure, but um, you know, we can now see that it, it's going to happen, right? And that we need to understand that there's a lot that we don't know. And certainly this pandemic has shown us that there's, there's still a lot that we don't know as we come out, as people start to open up and close back down. And as we move hopefully towards sort of therapeutics and a virus, there's just so much uncertainty. And now it's probably a good time for the organization to start having those conversations. And both Tracy, both is what you said and what Robin said, it's having those conversations. It's bringing in perspectives, it's having those conversations. So. I'm going to wrap us up here so hopefully everybody can see why this had to be a two-parter, right? This has become, so it could be a mini-series. There's so much good information here. So I'm just going to stop us right here. I'm going to um, go and close us out and get us ready for, uh, for the next episode. But again, I want to thank you both for agreeing to do this and being so generous with your time. But I'm going to pull you into the next episode here in just a few minutes. But thank you both for being on this show. And then we're going to go into the next one in just a moment. But thank you very much. So as we go through this, and I wanted to make sure to stay true to the work that we do here on Navigating the Noise, we normally have three things to do, very, three pragmatic things to do today that, to prepare for tomorrow. We're not doing three, we're just doing one. So you've heard some amazing perspectives, both from Robin and from Tracy, around ways of thinking about the future from a very high level. And so what I would put to you is, the one thing for you to do is to say, how would you apply it? what would you want to think about? You know, very specifically, and on the next episode, you're going to hear all about how Tracy's applied it and what she did specifically in the, during the pandemic for their business. But for yourself, take this moment before you, of course, rush over and watch episode two. Um, think about how you might apply it. Like, how could you best focus? What, what areas would you focus on and who might you want to talk to or, or bring in? Because you can reach out to us. So as I mentioned, uh, we are gonna put up all the information that we talked about here today from Robin's slides to links. Maybe we'll kind of think about doing this infographic around the kind of the four steps that Tracy kind of talked about as you start thinking about contingency planning. I think as you apply them to this industry, they can be really, really helpful. But as always, you can reach out to us here at Navigating the Noise. And if you have any questions, concerns, want a little bit more information, we're always here 
to, uh, to see what we can do, especially during these times. But so with this, I'm going to wrap us up. As you notice, I didn't do the second thing to do was watch episode two, because I know you're going to want to watch episode two anyway. So I want to thank you all for joining us today. So thank you for listening to Navigating the Noise, a broadcast brought to you by CHPA, the Corporate Housing Providers Association. As always, you can always reach out to us. You can email us at info at chpaonline.org. You can follow us on Twitter at chpaonline. Or you can visit the website where we'll have all of this information, which is chpaonline.org. Thank you again for joining us today. Come on, come see us on episode two on this, this two-parter of Navigating the Noise, and we'll be talking to you soon. Thanks, everybody.